Shall we pray, Father? In the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have not given up on us. We thank you that you did not give up on us, and we thank you that you are not giving up on us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you for the blood that keeps speaking better things than the blood of Abel. We thank you that we have an advocate with you, the man Jesus Christ. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who comforts us? Who leads us into all truth? Who strengthens us? Who is always by our side? Who is our intercessor? Who is our strengthener? Our guide and our teacher? We thank you for all that you have done for us and keep doing for us. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Wow, we thank God that He keeps counting us worthy to see another day and. We thank God that His mercies are also new on us each and every day. And as long as He has qualified us to see another 24 hours, we will continue to work the works of Him who has sent us. Our only desire and satisfaction is to do the will of Him who has sent us and to finish it. And we are encouraging all of us that let this be what consumes you every day. Let this be your obsession about in life. And that's one of the reasons why we have these discussions to keep encouraging ourselves. To keep reminding ourselves that we are on a sent mission. So tonight we are beginning a new series, which I'm so excited about. It's something that God has been teaching us. God has been teaching me for some time now, and we have looked at several things in this year. And I just believe that God is teaching us something. So we want to look at um, our series that we have titled "For Your Learning." For your learning, and our scripture where we are getting this thing from is from Romans chapter 15. The verse number four. That's the first part. Now you can read the whole of it. Romans 15, verse four. I'm reading in the NIV version first, and it says, "For whatever thing that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that we, through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope." I take it again. Romans 15, verse four. For everything that was written in the past. Was written to teach us, so that we, through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. Let's look at the King James rendering of the same scripture, and it was the King James rendering we used to come up with our title for tonight's discussion. So I read Romans 15 verse one. It says that for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning. So yeah, the title is for our learning. We through the patience and the comfort of Scripture might have hope. So when we did our series on rightly dividing, we looked at the Scripture, and in context, Paul was referring to the Old Testament, what is called the Scriptures. You know, whenever you are reading the Bible and you see the word Scriptures, the Scriptures was referring to the Old Testament because as Peter and James and John were writing Scriptures, there was no New Testament. So they were referring to basically the laws of Moses or the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, and the books or what the letters or the documents written by the prophets, basically. 
to those were the scriptures. So in context, those scriptures there was referring to the Old Testament. That what inspired God to allow David, allow um, the judges, allow Moses, allow um, Nehemiah, allow Ezra, allow Jeremiah. What inspired them? What was God's reason to let them write the things they wrote? The stories of Esther, the stories of David and Goliath. God has given us one key reason why he allowed them to pen those stories and why others were not written down or were not added to the canonization of scripture. And this is one of the reasons that it was written to teach us. So it's for our learning. And this is the basis why I always say that the Bible is the past questions to life. And for those of us, I believe everybody has been a student, especially from a secondary school to university. We appreciate how instrumental past questions is. In fact, if you are a master in past questions, you are most definitely going to get at least an A in exams, A star or A, because literally it is old questions that they will be bringing. The best they can do is to change the approach of the question. But in context, it's the same thing. Because um, when you use my food, as they say biology, maybe you are doing SS biology or A-level biology or IB biology, let's say photosynthesis. Uh, the content is the same. So they may just change the way they ask the question. So when you get familiar with past questions, you get to know what they ask about photosynthesis. They may change it this time, they may tell you to describe it, or this time they may give you the sequence in um, a wrong order, that kind of thing. So Paul is letting us know, or God through the letter of Paul is letting us know that when we read the scriptures, we are getting the past papers to life. So we are going to see the questions life is going to ask us. And the Bible does not just give us the past paper, it also gives us the solution to answer life. So whichever life question you are going through, whichever situation you are going through, whichever confusion you are going through, I always love, that's why I love people like Joseph, both the one in there, the son of, of Jacob and the foster father of Jesus, because I believe that they answer two very fundamental questions young people ask when it comes to the issue about marriage um the foster father of jesus answers a lot about it when it comes to fulfilling your purpose on life the process you have to go through the son of jacob answers that question so we must really appreciate that reading the bible is not a religious activity it's actually a cheat code in life where you are literally seeing the questions before the exam. So before you face the disappointments, before you face situations of, of, of scarcity, situations of barrenness, situations of supposed delayed promises, situations of frustration, situations of Goliath, we already have Papa David who has fought with the Goliaths. We had people like Nehemiah. We had people like Ezra. We had people like Samson who have only gone through the same things. And the devil is going to bring the same question, just maybe in different form. Maybe your Delilah may not be a human being. Your Delilah may be something you watch over the internet. Your giant may not be a physical giant of Goliath. Your giant may be the educational system of your country or, 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 or the economy of the country. But just as the weapon that David used, the arsenal of David, is the same arsenal God has given to us. And how David was able to skillfully use those arsenals is the same thing we are supposed to do. So Paul is letting us know that whatever was written aforetime was written for our learning. So in this series, we will just be perusing certain interesting characters. I believe that these are characters that 
teach us a lot about the things you go through like and and i'm zeroing in on the um not the heroes of the stories mostly when we want to learn we mostly focus on the good in quotes the good people or the good things people did the people like david the people like Nehemiah, the people like um joshua the people like Samuel. but we also have certain characters who are not too pleasant but their failures are very instructive to us so in for our learning we are focusing on the people who did not really please god or live the way they ought, and we want to learn from them and the reason why we are doing that is because of what mr jude wrote in the verse um i think verse 11 of his book let's go to jude verse number 11 it says woe to them they have taken the way of king they have rushed for profit into balaam's error and they have been destroyed in chorus rebellion so let's go to the king james since as i've said before the king james sounds a bit poetic and easy to flow with it says woe to them they have run greedily after the error of balaam for reward and they have perished in the gain schemes of Korah. so jude is letting us know that there are certain and he categorized them, or he, he gave three categories of the types of messing up people can listen. One was Mr. Cain, the second one was Mr. Balaam, the prophet, and the third one was the judge or a leader, Kura. And he's saying that go to those people who have followed these three people's attitude. And I've come to realize that it is not just about the things you do that will make you successful or that will make you please God, but about the things you refuse to do. So loving God is not about the things you say yes to, but it's also about the things you say no to. So one of the churches that are in the book of Revelations. Jesus was not happy with them because they condone the woman Jezebel and I think her teachings. So they did so many good things. But one of the things that displeased Jesus was the things they refused to say no to. So your expression of your love for God is not just about the things you say yes to, but about the things you say no to. And that church too was commended by Jesus because they hate the teachings of one of those false prophets. So it's not just about the things you love with God. There are certain things you must hate because the one whom you love hates them. That is why we may respect people, but we are not supposed to like in any way. And it's not one of the things that people like to play with um, the soft side of people that homophobia or certain phobia. The fact that I don't endorse a particular decision doesn't mean I hate the person. I hate the act. We hate the act. God expects us to hate the act because friendship with God is enmity with men or with the world. And there's no two ways about this. There's no nicer way to say this. And there's no nicer way we are going to say it. Because it's as plain as black and white. That deciding to be friends with God, you are literally going to be an enemy of the world. So the things you decide to love automatically makes you an enemy of certain things. And so we just want to peruse in this series the things we should avoid. You see, many times when we are learning things, like as Hebrews 6 verse 12 tells us, it's not to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So most of the times you look at the things that people have succeeded, things people did, and we do not pay attention to the things they did not do. So tonight we will start with the man, the man of the hour, <laughs> the man who could do something that nobody could do. <laughs> and he's no other than Mr. Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. Not much is written about and you see. I like people that not much is written about them in the Bible because it lets you know that the little that is written is really deep about them. That's why I like Joseph the foster father of Jesus because the few things written about Joseph the foster father of Jesus is so instructive about this amazing man. Why God chose to use this Joseph? So we'll be looking at people that not much is written about them. But the little that is written about them is instructive. And remember Romans 15 verse 4. 
Why did God allow them to write these things? It is for our learning. So that we, through the endurance from Scripture and the patience it brings to us, we may have hope. So let's look at Judas Iscariot. And for each character we'll be taking, God willing, I'm hoping that we will look at two, three things they did so that we can really meditate on these things. So that when life throws us these temptations, when life gives us the opportunity to make, we will remember Judas and we will not make the mistake Mr. Judas made. So we just look at a scripture. One of the few times the name, even when you Google Judas, like when you search his name in the Bible, his name appeared very, very few times. But let's look at the place his name appeared in. That is Matthew chapter 26, the verses 9 to 15. The man Judas, an interesting man. Matthew chapter 26. The verse number 9 to 15. And I read. Okay, let's start from the verse um, 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simeon the leper, they came unto him, a woman having an alabaster box of precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw this, now look at it, it was the disciples, meaning that it was at least more than one. That they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? And we are believing God, I want to do a series titled, Why This Waste? But let's take note, it was the disciples, not a disciple, meaning that it was more than one. So let's continue. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye this woman? For she had wrought a good work upon me. Pouring gifts to your master is a good work. Verse 11. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is saying that we must learn to appreciate seasons and times. And it is very, very important. There are certain seasons. So Jesus was letting them know that the season of sowing into my life, as we say it in our days, as we say it in our times, the season of appreciating me, the season of doing something special for me is limited. And we know that the reason why he actually appreciated this was the woman was preparing him for his burial. So, oh, he even said it in the verse 12. For in that, she has poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. And this is very, very interesting. For my burial. Verse 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there also this, that this woman had done, be told in, mem- in memory of her. Verse 14. Now let's look at Mr. Judas. Then one of the twelve, remember, all the twelve were angry, or more than one of the twelve were angry, but one of them responded or reacted after Jesus gave this instruction. He said, so one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, what will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him, for 40 pieces of silver, verse 16. And from that time, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Ah, a lovely piece of scripture. You see, this is very instructive for our learning. So now, from here, you could clearly see that one, it was not Satan who influenced Judas to take the answer. So many times, we will make the argument that if God knew that, why um, are we angry or why is Judas going to hell? After all, there was only destined that somebody should betray Jesus. The time Satan entered into the heart of Jesus, as they put it, with an expression, was at the last supper. 
supper. You know, at the last supper, as Jesus dipped the bread in the in the wine or in the soup, he said that the one who also dips with me is the one who shall betray me. And then, and after that, Satan entered into Judas. So this we see that Judas already had the intention of betraying Jesus. In fact, he went to negotiate the price of Jesus and he already agreed for 40 pieces of silver. But now he was just looking for an opportunity. And this is very instructive in terms of how demons or demons manipulate people. When people are addicted or under bondage, it always starts with their choice. People are the ones that decide to do certain things. And whenever you decide something good, God releases angels to assist you, to empower you, to minister unto you. Hebrews 1 verse 14. I read the own ministry spirits that have been sent forth to those who will inherit salvation. But just as God sends angels to minister unto us, to strengthen us, so also the devil also assists us in whatever we do. So your choice influences the spirits back in your life. So because Judas had decided to betray Jesus and had accepted or agreed on a fee, all that he was looking for was an opportune time. And all that Satan came to do was to strengthen him to do it. And hopefully one day if we study on um, addictions, whether addictions are spiritual or they're just um, um, physical, I've, I've indirectly answered the question. But let's look at Judas. Very instructive for our learning. Hopefully, we will see, but I want us to just limit it to about three things we can learn from Judas. And in fact, all these three can be bundled into one. And the main thing we can learn from the life of Judas was that, or there are many things, but let's say the first one is that he couldn't see beyond the physical. You know, familiarity is one of the greatest neutralizers of the anointed especially in your relationship with people of God or children of God or what we say, men of God. Because as you know, these men of God are also men. So it is very easy to see the humanity of these people and take for granted the grace upon their lives. It's interesting how Judas could be working with Jesus for more than two years and still all he could see about Jesus was his humanity. And not for once did his mind occur to him that somebody who raises the dead, somebody who heals the sick, somebody who cleans the lepers, somebody who multiplies bread and fish, there is something unique about his life. But some way, somehow, all that Judas could see about Jesus was just a political leader who had promised them that he's going to bring um, freedom for the Jews. And now the guy is talking about his burial. And you see that even the disciples were offended because look at the instance of Peter. Jesus said that, leave your nets, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. When Jesus died, Peter went back, called all his fishermen virtually. The guy we were following, thinking that he's our savior. He is dead. Let us go back fishing. And they went fishing. That's when Jesus came and he made them cast the nets on the other side. Then when they came back to shore, Jesus asked Peter, love us down me above this? Even upon that, in Acts chapter 1, when he was about, when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, the disciples asked him that, are you by this time now returning the kingdom back to Jerusalem? And Jesus was like, Charlie, you people, you are still not getting this thing. 
It is not for you to know the time the Father has appointed in his own, but he shall receive power. So you remember that as the disciples were walking with Jesus, subconsciously, they were all thinking that he was coming to deliver them from the Roman oppression. So when Judas heard this man saying that this woman has come to anoint me for my burial, he felt offended because he felt like I have given up everything just to be with you and you keep talking about your death. Now before this time, Jesus has been talking about his death. And you see, think about it. Imagine following a leader who's always talking about his death. You will feel depressed. Small now, when I die, I will die after three days. I will destroy this temple. I don't think my burial is a challenge. So Judas had been fed up with this man. We have left all our lives and all you keep talking about is your death. That is because all that Judas could see was a man, a normal man. That is why Elijah told Elisha that you have asked for a hard thing. But if you see me go, you can get what I've asked for. And notice, after the whirlwind came for Elijah, listen to what Elisha said. He said, my father, my father. Now, if you study, Elijah was older than Elisha. Elijah was older than Elisha. But at that moment, Elisha saw the God in the man Elijah. It's like the way God told Moses, I have made you a God unto Pharaoh. So Miriam and Aaron were still relating with Moses. Korah, they were still relating with Moses as a normal man. Now look at the time when Moses went to marry Zipporah and Miriam was angry that her, you think you are the only one God speaks to and you are going to marry somebody without her approval and she's believed to be a black man, black person and blah, 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 blah. Then God says, hey, I speak with all of you, but the way I speak with Moses is different. So Elisha, after Elijah was caught up, he said, my father, my father. One, he saw the fatherhood of Elijah, that even though I am older than him, he is my father. That's the, the, the second thing he said. He said the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Elijah saw the office Elijah was holding. Elijah was the spiritual protector of Israel. So he was called the chariots of Israel. He was the head of the military of Israel. And at that moment, Elijah saw the grace, if I should say in our terms, upon the life of Elijah. He was not relating with a normal man. That is why I love the advice Paul gives us. He says, know ye no man after the flesh. This is one of the greatest mistakes you can make, is when you relate with people on the surface level. Both in the both men of God and on men of God, there are plenty of people that the day you accepted their friendship, you were literally accepting the friendship of demons. Many people who are into addictions, many people who are into prostitution, many people who are into lesbianism and homosexuality were introduced into it by people. So the day they decided to give their number to that lady or give their number to that guy or to respond to the friend request of that person, they were literally inviting demons into their life. And in the same way, if you can recognize men sent by God into your life, you have changed your life. So even though Judas was working with Jesus, all he could see was he becoming a governor of Israel after Jesus had overthrown the Roman Empire. So when he realized that Charlie, that was not the agenda of Jesus, he felt offended. But I pray that God will give us the eyes of Elijah. That even though we are working with Elijah, and that is why when he caught the mantle and he came back, the other prophet said, ah, indeed, he carries the mantle of Elijah. So at that moment, Elisha refused to see a small boy, Elijah, but he saw his father. The first thing he saw was the fatherhood. And the second thing he saw was that Elijah 
was the spiritual military man of Jerusalem, of Israel. That is why the next time him and his servants were in their house and the king sent an army to come and um, take him. And the servant was like, hey, Charlie, what are we doing? What are we going to do? They have sent the king to come and catch him. Elisha prayed that God opened the eyes of his servants. And the Bible said when the Lord opened his eyes, he saw what? Chariots of fire around the house because he had taken over the spiritual office that Elijah had. So if you can see me go, and it's so sad in our times, because many of us, if we don't see financial benefit in a friend, we don't see it worth making friends with people. And in this era where everybody's talking about networking, networking, the mistake we do is that we network with people after the flesh. We look for people who are in quotes, big people. We look for people whose parents are in influential positions. We look for people after the flesh. But the person you may despise in few years' time may become a member of parliament, may become that big person. No big person was a big person yesterday. And sadly, for many friends, and you see, especially in this era where many people are unemployed, there are times that I want to check up on friends. And I know that if I check up on this friend, and a friend asks me, oh, why are you checking up? I'm like, oh, it's been a while. They feel offended. Like, actually, you, because you have a job, and eh, you're getting money, and eh, you want to just know what I'm also getting money. Because the only reason they think I am in their life is for money. So there are many people, if you are not giving them money, or you are not giving them an opportunity, they feel like we are a nuisance to them. And it's very sad. There are some people that I, I just want to call and have a comment. Oh, how is this? Let's talk about football. Let's talk about Chelsea. Let's talk about... Just to show my presence in their life. But many people don't appreciate it because they feel like you are not giving me a job or you are not linking me. Everybody wants connection. And who can you connect me to? And the same mistake that Judas made, all he saw was a sufficient value in his relationship with Jesus. So when he realized, actually, you, this guy, somebody has come to waste ointment upon you. You didn't rebuke the person. And you will be rather rebuking us. My friend, let me just sell this guy for 40 pieces of silver. Meaning that as he was working with Jesus, all he could see was 40 pieces of silver. That was the value he placed on Jesus. And that's the mistake we are making today. And God is teaching us for our learning that we never make the mistake of relating or knowing people after the flesh. Because the people we despise, the people who are not big, and Paul even said in Romans 12, he said that, do not mind high things, but condescend to men of low estates. And this thing the politicians know is very well. That is why when it comes to elections, you see politicians go to places that we never knew existed. You can go to a community in Ghana, they have never seen potable water before. But on the period of election, you go there and you see a politician's banner over there. There's a recent um, picture I saw of a president of Ghana sitting amongst women in the dirty chaos. And they had, he had a bowl of, I think, a bar and stew. And you see this president eating the thing. I said, hey, what people will do for political power? You have no idea. But these people know that the majority of the people are poor. Majority of the people who vote for him are those on the streets, are those in the ghettos, are those at places not of influence. So when it's time for election, they know all the corners in the country because they know that the low people are the people who are willing to vote for you and they are the ones who can go on the streets 
and do demonstration or do whatever you want. Because if maybe you feel robbed in an election, you can't go and call a big man to do demonstration on the streets of Akha. They won't mind you. They need those who are not without jobs. They need those who do not have a certain value on their life. They are the ones they need. That is why when they also come there, they put those boys in the police as a way of compensating them. Never make the mistake of relating with people based on money or based on connection. So many a times, if you have a friend, the friend has never given you an opportunity or the friend doesn't know anybody, his father is not anybody, his uncle is not anybody, we don't regard such friends. When we even see their messages, we reply them whenever we want them. I remember so much when I was on campus. Hey, uh, let me not give the story. <laughs> but it is interesting how people know your value when they think that they can benefit from your connection or your relationship. But immediately, they have gotten what they want. It's as though you never existed. And it's a mistake that God wants us not to repeat. Because in life, this question will be thrown to us. But thank God for the past questions of the Bible. We know how to answer this question. So Judas valued Jesus for 40 pieces of silver. And everybody who had had a certain encounter and a certain level of his work with God, he was able to notice the unusual in the usual. He was able to notice God in low places. Look at the man Jacob. When he was running away from his brother Esau, he slept at the place of Bethel. And when he got up, he said, hey, God was in this place and I did not know it. How can God be in this place? On the roadside where he slept on a rock. And that place is where he saw visions or a vision of angels ascending and descending. That place. And the Bible said he took oil and he anointed the place and he built an altar. And he said, this is Bethel, the house of God. They are Bethels that come to us in the form of people. But these people will not be prominent people. These people will not be politicians. These people will not be sons and daughters of rich men. These people may be in the church. These people may be by the roadside. These people may be by that person who is always disturbing you, challenging you, you know, opening at your workplace. These may be the people. Look at Jesus, born in a zoo. How can something good come out of Nazareth? It's because maybe we may not appreciate what Nazareth was or what Nazareth is or was at that time. We don't understand when Nathaniel asked this question. Are you sure something good can come out from that place? Because that place were known to produce rascals, nobody's waste, a nuisance. It's like the way David want to, if they get to just wipe out the Nazareth from, 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 the, from the place. But that was where God chose to bring the monarch of the universe. And you see, many times, the people that God will use to bless us are not going to come in suit, are not going to come. You see the way we behave so funny when we meet a prominent person. But the, the prominent person has made thousands and one promises. And I was, I was telling somebody who was doing the first service, as a person, what are your plans? He said, oh, my uncle, I love. I said, are you new in this Ghana? I told the person that if your uncle does not own a company, nobody can guarantee you a position in Ghana, not even the president. And I know the person who appreciates my wisdom. Nobody, if it's not my company, because in my company, I can put, I can hold you and say, hey, HR, employ this person. Because I know people at my workplaces who were personal assistants, photographers to speakers of parliament. And immediately the person left that office, they were removed from the position. So imagine sacrificing your life for just four years. Just four years. And all the people that he gave a job, they were working in, I think, ECG on contract. They were contract, but they felt like, oh, it was good. Immediately that guy left being the Speaker of Parliament. They were removed without failure. And I told the guy that, hey, no uncle in this world can guarantee you anything permanent if it's not his company. 
and I'm sure he did appreciate like, oh, my uncle, yeah, he's a big man. I said, okay, we are still here waiting. But this was the mistake Judas made. He related with Jesus after the flesh. The next mistake that Judas made was that he became bitter when his evil intentions were exposed. Now, as we read the scripture in Matthew, it was not just Judas who was angry that the woman had wasted precious ointment on, on Jesus, but it was he was the one who responded. So the Bible said that and one of the disciples after that incident went to the chief priest eventually, how much will you give me if I give you Jesus? And that tells you something unique about Jesus. Do you know why Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss? It was because Jesus was so one with the people that it was very difficult to identify Jesus among his 12 followers, especially at night. They knew that the way Jesus was so humble, you know some people, if you go to a, a, a place, it's very easy to identify their boss. They are so pompous, but Jesus was so humble. He was so one with his followers that the only way Judas could identify Jesus at in the evening among the other 12 was to kiss him. So he told the, the guards that the one I kiss is the one who Jesus is. And think about it, they have been seeing Jesus walking around all this while, but they still did not really know who he was among. That is why when they saw Peter, when the girl saw Peter, it was like, you, you look like them. Those who are following that carpenter who claims the Messiah. So he said, the one whom I, I kiss, I betrayed the kiss. Because Judah felt bitter when Jesus exposed his evil intentions. But remember, he was not the only one who was exposed. All the other disciples complained because suddenly this ointment is money. How do you respond when you are corrected? Many people have left churches they should not have left. Many people have left coverings, spiritual coverings they should not have left. Because when they were corrected, they were bitter. Many of us, we feel like we have grown. We feel like we, too, when we pray for the sick, they too, they get healed. When we lay our hands, the dead come back to life. So we feel like we are above advice. We feel like we are above correction. That is why I love what the Bible said to about Saul. When you were little in your own eyes, someone was telling Saul, were you not the son of Kish I saw roaming around hopelessly, looking for his father's donkey? Were you not the one when I was coming to anoint you as king, you were hiding behind some baskets, but now you have the audacity to face me squarely because you think you are a minister, because you think you are a CEO, because you think you are a school prefect, or you think you are an HR of a company, or you think something about yourself. Never be above correction. Never be above reproach. Do not harbor bitterness when you are corrected, especially in churches. Many of us, and you know one thing I like about human society is that just leave a particular position, you will see the way you be treated. Especially on campus, maybe when you are a church executive or you are something. Hey, they will be giving you fun. Hey, papa, mama, huh. handover. One month after handover, it's like you never walked on campus. And I like that about us or about the human society because it just reminds you that you are literally nothing but the grace of God. Because sometimes we can get so full of ourselves, but life would humble you well, 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 well. But sometimes I know many people who had worked in the church for long, and let's say maybe they were stewards or secretaries or elders, and immediately maybe the attendant office left, and they felt like they were not honored or appreciated. Of course, I'm not saying we should disregard people, but I'm saying learn from Jesus. Remember Philippians 2 verse 5 following, he says, he took it not robbery. Some of us, we feel robbed if we are not called with our titles. Hey. So Bible said, 
Jesus did not feel robbed even though he was in the same or he was in the form of God to lower himself. He did not think that he had been cheated. He did not think that God had robbed him by saying that I mean, who will die and said I will be. He did not feel robbed. But there are many people who have served in churches and maybe they handed over and they felt like the church did not acknowledge them as they wanted. So they felt robbed. So there are many people who leave churches after they have served in a particular office for a long time because they felt like they were entitled to something. And many people leave bitter. Many, I know people personally, personally, they felt like, eh, after all I've done, after all I've done, especially in Ghana, our political circles, people, and that lets you know their evil intention. If they were really doing it for the people, for the glory of God, they would not feel offended if you are not acknowledged. After all, you are a servant of God. God has sent you. After all, you claim you are there to serve the people. So why do you feel robbed? And Judas felt bitter. That you, Jesus, this girl has come to waste the oil. And after wasting the oil, you mommy are telling us that eh, you will not be with us forever. And that he has come to, has come to prepare you for a burial. If you are coming to die, let me help you die. But may we never make the mistake of one, relating with people after the flesh. Two, harboring bitterness and feeling robbed and cheated when our evil intentions are exposed. That is why David, when Nathan came to tell Natalie, you know false. Why did you kill that man after taking his wife? Eh? David know that genuinely he had done wrong. But Saul said, hey, Samuel, you, if you claim I've done something wrong, I hear you. But Charlie, I'm in front of the people. Why can you come to blast me in front of the people? Then as Samuel was going, Saul held the garment of Samuel and tore it. And Saul looked at Samuel and said, just as you have torn my garment, so has the kingdom been torn away from you. May that never be said about us. And thank God for the Bible. We can see these mistakes. So whenever you see bitterness, growing in your heart because you feel robbed. You went to a place, they didn't call you doctor. They didn't acknowledge you as you wanted. You maybe went to an organization you have served for so long and you didn't feel honored <laughs> and you feel robbed. They say, ah, these people, where were you when I did this, when I did that? And many people in Africa, many of our fathers of continents felt like the nation cheated them. They felt like they labored for independence. They labored for something and the people moved or the people do not appreciate them. But may we not be bitter. May we not feel robbed. May we be like Jesus. That though he was in the form of God, he did not consider it a robbery or cheating, but took upon himself the form of a servant and choosing to die even the death on the cross. The last thing we can learn about Judas that God wants us to learn is that he did not value reconciliation. He thought that all died with that. So even after he went to go and return the money, when he realized that Charlie has messed up and they said that we have already done the deal. We have killed Jesus. You can't return the money. He did not value it going back to the 12 or going back to the 11 apostles and say, Charlie, you know what? I betrayed our master. Let's find a way of bringing this guy, of going to steal the body. He didn't even remember that Jesus said that after three days, I will rise again. He did not value reconciliation. He thought that, oh, my year, my year, if I've done it, I've done it. All die, be die. But honey, not all die, be die. You have dishonored your father. You have disrespected certain people. Don't take it for granted. Pick up the call and call them. Value reconciliation. So there's prodigal son could have said that Charlie, I blow the money, I blow the money. Let me make it on my own. But the prodigal son said, no, I will return and go back to my father's house. And tell him that Charlie, 
Papa, I know I've blown it. I've blown it. But I am still your son. And I know I'm not worthy to be, I'm not worthy to be called your son. You did take me as a servant. And the father said, Charlie, an abandoned son is still a son. A wasteful son is still a son. And when the elder brother came and was so angry, he said, this my son was dead and is alive again. Maybe come back alive to God. You may have fallen into sin. Don't settle in sin. Don't settle in sin. Don't settle in sin. Come back again to God. And that's why everybody made the comparison between Judas and Peter. Peter, you see, Judas, they betrayed Jesus with the kiss. He was back in the evening. So you can say he made a mistake. But Peter, dear, Ghani, Ghani, he said, I don't know this guy. And I love Peter. The Bible said he started to swear and kiss. I said, hey, Mr. Peter, Mr. Peter. But I love the way that Peter responded. He valued reconciliation. He valued amending his mistakes. And be a person that values making up for your mistakes. If you know you were in a relationship with somebody and you genuinely knew that you did not treat the person well, the person may have forgiven you and moved on. But the Bible says, if you are going to put your offering at the altar, and you will, that's one scripture I'm really believing that one day I will do it myself. I can't, like, go to people and I'll say, Charlie, you know what? You're there. I tell the Asha, you there, and they go settle some scorpion or somebody. When I come back, I'll pay my offering. But that's the reality, that's the truth of God's word. Value reconciliation. This is the past questions I've given you to life. Eh? So when life asks you the question, when you felt like you have not done well, do not settle in the mud, do not settle in your vomit, but be like their prodigal son. They said, I will arise, I will arise and go back to my father. So tonight, God is calling us. God is letting us know that the reason why the story of Judas was written for us, it was written for our learning. Do not make the mistake of only valuing people based on money and so-called connections. Do not see people as mere men. Look at the widow. The Bible said that when she saw the man and the prophet asked, Charlie, what do you have in your house? He said, Charlie, I have only one flower, some small flower that I'm going to pick. The man of God said, you go and bake it and come. And the woman was going and asked, I love the prophet. As we're going, Charlie, do you have some milk or some juice? We say, oh, I have milk. Charlie, add the milk. Hey, men of God, you can eat all. Merci. <laughs> and then, so the woman noticed that, no, this guy who is a beggar, like imagine a beggar. How can this beggar be an anointed man? But little did the woman know that this person who was in court begging for bread, egg, so below was the chariot of Israel. The one whose dead bones could bring back people to Israel. See the anointing locked up in the beggar. Look at the woman to the rich woman who was harboring the prophet. Whenever the prophet passes by, she would prepare a room and told the husband, Natalie, I perceive this man is a man of God. But it's very interesting. A time came that her son died and she stood at the entrance of the room and she was crying. And the man of God was like, Charlie, what's up? He said, Charlie, my son is dead. Have you come to expose my sins? And Elisha said, Charlie, I can't spoil my body. God, do something. And God did something. And I like what the woman said. The woman said, now I know you are a man of God. So all along, she was not really sure. This guy, he's looking very weird. He has kept his beard. He doesn't really eat. He's always fasting and praying. She noticed something unusual about this person. But Charlie, look at a big person like this woman. The wife of a rich man. Ah, how many politicians do you see who genuinely have friends with people of low estates? Even when you look at some beautiful ladies today, I went to my sister's baby's christening. And there was this lady. I heard a gossip. I was passing by and my ears heard it. <laughs> a beautiful lady in her 30s, late in her 30s. And according to the fella I heard, gossip I heard, that no man is too good for her. And I always tell people that 
the man you may decide to be friends with may not be your spouse, but he may have a handsome friend. So befriend people who you think in your eyes are not handsome or beautiful. They have handsome friends. They can link you. Ever love the advice that do not mind high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Condescend to men of low estate. And the next thing we learn is that do not be feel too big. Do not be offended when you think that you are rebuked. Do not consider it robbery when you are not acknowledged. When you think like they have done you a disservice. Do you know, you know, in Ghana, we like saying those things. Do you know who I am? Especially when a policeman stops a supposed big person. The first thing they will say is that, do you know who I am? <laughs> who are you? And the last thing is that value reconciliation. Tonight, we just want to spend some time and tell God that we don't want to be like Judas. We just want to tell God, Father, every trait of Judaism in us, deal with it, Lord. Father, kill every spirit that makes us value the wrong people or value the wrong things in people. There are many ladies, if you are not driving the car, they will never speak to you. There are many ladies, if you are not using a particular phone, you are not qualified to be their friends. Father, every spirit of Judas in us, Father, kill it in the name of Jesus. Father, may we condescend to men of low estate. May we make friends with the lowly. Because the Bible says that you have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing is for the poor, not for the rich. He says, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to, 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 to speak in liberty to those who are bondage. So who have you been called to? You are called to those who are in bondage. You are not called to people who are free. You are called to those who are in bondage, those who are poor, those who are blind. Father, may we condescend to men of low estate. May we not relate with people on sufficient level. May we be like Elijah, who can see the fatherhood of Elijah, who can see that in this young man, he is the chariot of Israel, that we can say, my father, my father, hey, the chariot of Israel and the horseman thereof. Father, may we value reconciliation. May we pay the price of picking the food and calling everybody we are offended that say we are sorry. We did not treat you well. We did not appreciate you well. We did not do you better. We appreciate you in our life. Some of us have had grudges against our parents because we felt like they didn't treat us well. But God is saying, God is saying that value reconciliation. Father, help us, Lord. Father, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Father, help us in the name of Jesus. We don't want to be like Judas. We thank you for the past questions to life. We cancel every Judas trait in us. When we see the spirit of Judas coming, may it miss our door. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Father, we pray that we will not feel robbed. We will not feel bitter when we are corrected, when our evil intentions are exposed. When we are rebuilt, may we never become too big for advice. May we never become too wise to be advised. May we never become too knowledgeable to be spoken to. May we never become too prominent to, to condescend of men of lowest In the name of our Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you for your words, your words which are life unto us, which are light unto our path. Ah, 
because the darkness in the world is great. But your word is giving us light. And we thank you for the light you are giving unto us in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. We thank God so much for joining us. And I believe in God for more strength, for more grace, for more insight. And God willing, next week, we will look at another interesting character in the Bible. Not more than 10 lines was written about the person. But the few things that was written about the person is the first question with answers for us to know. So that in the next few days, months and years, when Wayek <laughs> brings us the same past questions, we will answer them excellently. And remember, we are still giving God our very best, our very best. And the only thing we are owing any man is love. See you next week and bye-bye.